Hello and welcome back to another episode of That's Debatable, a show where I'm Miles Avales and my friend Creed Finnebrock each take a side and break down a complex issue. Just a reminder that what we say doesn't necessarily express our own opinions or the opinions of KMIH 88.9 The Bridge. This week, we'll be covering gun control with our friend Marcus Hueller. Uh, Marcus, welcome to the show. He's done a couple uh, things on gun control before, a couple essays, and he knows good about a good amount about it. So we're glad to have him here. All right, Miles, do you want to get us started? So gun control is a very complex issue. So I think to get it started, we should ha- have at least a sense of the terminology and some background facts. So assault weapons are semi-automatic rifles, pistols, and shotguns that are able to accept detachable magazines. You must be 18 to purchase shotguns, rifles, and ammo, and you have to be 21 to purchase all other guns, including handguns. And semi-automatic weapons are guns that can fire every time that you pull the trigger and you don't have to do much to reload it. And those are illegal in most states. Background checks are required, but there is a way around this. People that are not certified gun sellers can still sell guns. And in that case, they don't have to actually do a background check. So this raises the question of, is this a really good way of doing things? What do you think about that, Marcus? No, no, I don't. So um, the first thing we need to establish is that permits to purchase and universal background checks work. Uh, When they're repealed from state law or federal law, we immediately see spikes in gun violence. For example, uh, in Missouri, they repealed their permit to purchase law in 2007, and research has indicated a 55 to 63% increase in firearm homicides per year. So, no, the loopholes aren't good, and yeah, we need to clamp down on them because we generally ask do we need more gun control or less gun control what we need to ask is how do we feel the cracks that we do have in gun control for example um we talk about homicide rates predominantly uh we talk about criminal activity with guns but suicides end up making up the majority of gun deaths around 51 to 52 percent depending on the year so i think that is actually an important question for us to ask is like how do we clamp down on the suicide rates and can we clamp down on the suicide rates um Creed, i'll bring you on on this what do you got uh, clamping down on the suicide rates would be a lot more focused on education and depression work. So uh, one of the leading causes for suicide in USA, I think it's about 60% of suicides uh, come from guns. And so, you know, teaching people about uh, depression and other things that could lead to suicide is definitely a major thing that we could work on. Um other things for that is just education on gun safety too, because um, some of these suicides aren't actually a person trying to do this themselves. It could be an accident or them not knowing how to use it properly. Prop guns are another issue, uh, as we've had with the Alec Baldwin case, where he was, um, you know, sitting in a wooden church pew rehearsing a scene where he uh, draws his gun and shoots it. It ended up killing the cinematographer and injuring the director. So I think another issue with that is handling of prop guns and uh, making sure that it's all safe. Yeah, and one thing is to own a gun, you actually don't need to go through any training on how to use the gun. And so that's why gun safety is a big concern. In some countries, I know that you do have to go through some kind of course or test to be able to purchase a gun, but there's no such requirement in in US, which is kind of questionable because you think of something like learning to drive, you have to do a test to do that because you're putting they're putting a lot of lives in your hands because you have a lot of power when you're 
able to access something like a car or a gun. Yeah, and speaking about education, 95% of U.S. gun owners do believe that uh, people and children especially should learn about gun safety. Um, There's a thing called the Eddie Eagle Program, which the NRA has, which teaches children about uh, protection and safety with guns. So that's that's one thing that people have done education-wise, but it is an issue that you aren't taught specifically, uh, even when you're buying a gun, how to use one properly. Mm -hmm. I think that the biggest problem that we're going to face in that arena is that in order to make gun safety education widespread enough, it will create this idea that owning a gun is a natural part of life. It doesn't necessarily need to be. It does vary from place to place. Like, um, in the farther north you go, for example, I think in Maine, there's a lot more hunting than there is, like, Mm -hmm. uh, where we live, Washington. Uh, Yeah, Alaska, Minnesota. Yeah, and I think that's an important consideration, right? Yeah. Uh, Is, like, for certain walks of life, for certain styles of life, yeah, guns are a part of it. Guns are necessary. Uh, That being said, you don't need an AR-15 to uh, hunt down a deer. So I think that uh, it's important, though, that even as we talk about gun safety, because I absolutely agree, uh, it's important to make sure that gun safety is um, part of, like, the privilege of owning a gun. Um, But I also think that we need to be very specific about what kind of guns were, like, that is a good gun to, or not even a good gun, that is an acceptable gun to be using in, like, a specific kind of situation. It's very specific, the kind of gun safety that we're looking for. A little news about AR-15s. The company Colt announced, I think, in early September, mid-September, that they will actually halt its production of AR-15 rifles for civilian sales. Mm, So that's that's an interesting piece of information, uh, AR-15-wise. Okay, so I'd like to segue into um, the Second Amendment since it is one of the biggest uh, pieces of defense for anti-gun reform proponents. Um, So the Second Amendment basically states that the uh, U.S. population can raise militias in order to defend themselves against um, the government and greater threats. And to do this, they are allowed to, they have the right to bear arms. So my question to you guys is the language around it, specifically around raising militias as being the first thing they talk about before the words, the right to bear arms, is it still relevant to our society today? And can people who use it to justify loosening or not uh, endorsing stricter gun controls, is that something that they can still lean on? I think its relevance is kind of starting to disappear as time goes on, uh, at least on the militia part. I think still being able to bear arms uh, is something that, you know, is useful and many people still need access to. And I think that's probably not going to change for a very long time or it may may never change. But I think the militia part uh, is definitely, you know, leaving because, you know, our country's gotten so much bigger. Uh, There's so much there's already such a big military that. Um, it's not like when the USA started out where it's very small and a single person had a lot more ability to change uh, the nation, at least <laughs> in that part. Yeah. And one thing is the guns they had back then when that rule was written were obviously a lot less powerful than they are today. Yeah. And so it's reasonable to think that they would have had some disclaimers <laughs> potentially on yeah. that if they knew the firepower that we have today. 
this is true. The founding fathers did not write for modern firearms in any way. Um, and obviously, yeah. they weren't expected to. They're not going to be true. looking, you know, 300 years in the future and be like, all right, so there's going to be this gun in the future that can just <laughs> absolutely decimate an army. Uh, so we're going to write our constitution for that. Yeah. Uh, they obviously didn't do that, but uh, there's still, I'd say, value in what they gave us. True. So I think that it's interesting because we talk about, like, the right to bear arms part of that. Um, but the militias, like, we all seem to agree, are not really relevant because if you're using guns, one of my favorite quotes is like, okay, for those of you who would like to use guns to defend yourselves from the government, clearly you don't understand how tanks work, which I think is a pretty valid point. There's also airplanes, yeah. and, you know, like submarines. <laughs> yeah, so I feel, I think that militia is a little less relevant. It was also written for a time when your militia or, like, your community, like, what we would consider, I guess, to be vigilantes now, that was the army. Like, that was what, like, you didn't have, like, a set army that was, like, separate from the domestic sphere. It's like, when you went to war, you would basically, like, ring a bell, and it's like all the men would come out of their houses with the guns that they owned. They weren't given guns, right? So, uh, at least that's where we are militia-wise. Uh, on the right to bear arms part, Creed, you said that it's th- you think it's still relevant. Um, yeah. Yeah, so should we dive into that a little more? Because I want to explore that a little farther personally. Yeah, definitely. So with the relevance part, I think, obviously, once you have guns in a society, it's very, very, very difficult to get rid of it. Um, You can't ever really get entirely rid of it uh, because there are other ways to go about getting guns, uh, other countries, black market, that sort of thing. And obviously, that's a very small part of guns um, and how you can access guns, but it's still an issue. Uh, and so just the main thing that one of the one of the main things that most gun owners say for a reason why they have guns is for self-defense. Um, and so I think that's another issue because if you know, you know, criminals, they aren't following the law already. So why should they, you know, follow this one specifically? So uh, there's that issue where it's like uh, being able to defend yourself. And then, you know, it is, as you said, where, you know, a lot of places do have hunting. Uh, hunting's been a massive part of American society and most societies. So hunting is a big thing. And then, you know, if you're out in the wilderness, you do want to be able to protect yourself from a wild animal. So I think those are some reasons why, you know, it's still good to have the right to bear arms. The right to bear arms seems kind of vague, though. Like, yeah. what if they took away all handguns or all self-defense guns but left the hunting guns? Would that still be acceptable as having some form of arms? Yeah, I mean, obviously it would still be a form of arms, um, but that would also <laughs> that would probably create some more problems um, just because uh, different types of hunting use different types of guns. So there's so many different types of hunting guns that it, you know, it would just create a whole different situation too with that. I mean, okay, it gets complicated when we get into, like, what kind of arms you're allowed to bear because we already have restrictions, right? Yeah. They, we don't allow people to buy, like, hand grenades or... Um, I mean, there are illegal guns. Like, there yeah, are guns we've right. set aside. This is military use mm-hmm. only. No civilians are allowed to use them. Yeah. And, I mean, we can get into the whole gun companies altering um, altering military models for civilian use, but, like, that's more of, like, a corporation thing, so I think we'll stay away from it for now. But um, <laughs> an interesting statistic, because uh, we've talked about hunting and protection, which are tend to be, like, the two categories that most gun owners say 
they have their guns for. Yeah, or sport. That's yeah. another one, too. True. Um, but between... I'm just looking up some fast facts here. Uh, between protection and hunting, about 32% of gun owners tend to say they own guns for hunting. About 48% of own gun owners say they own it for protection. Um, it does not fill out completely. Some gun owners in this particular research opted out of answering why exactly they own a gun. Um, but between those two statistics... Which one does it feel more pertinent to have guns for? For protection or for uh, hunting, lifestyle-wise? I think it, you know, depends on where you live. As as you said before, there are some places where it is very necessary uh, to have access to guns, uh, to be able to hunt and provide for yourself for those around you. I feel like that's obviously a lot less of an issue now than it was back when the Constitution was written because we've got, you know... In most places, you got a Costco somewhere around you. <laughs> um, so I think that's that's an issue that's gotten a lot less uh, in that part. But then I think protection is probably the one that makes the most sense nowadays. Um, and then, you know, there is, as I said earlier, the sport activity, you know, learning how to shoot guns. It's it's a fun activity to do, and it's something that's very cool. And it's there's, there's something about it that's just like, wow, this is really amazing that I know how to do this. Um and, you know, being able to see people shoot from, you know, one area and hit something way off in the distance, that's pretty cool. So there's there's that where it's like there's the defense and then there's the sport use. Um, yeah, so I think those are all things that play into it. I would say one problem with the self-defense argument is that you're more likely to use a gun in suicide or on yourself accidentally yeah. than using it to actually defend yourself, which is a problem. I mean, and this is true. Um, gun deaths uh, are predominantly suicides. A Stanford study found that when a person owns a gun, males are about six to seven times more likely to commit suicide. Um, Gun-owning males are six to seven times more likely than non-gun-owning males. And women, it's even more extreme. Uh, Gun-owning women are 35 times more likely to commit wow. suicide than non-gun-owning women. So that's a problem, obviously. Uh, but that's probably a good question for us to speculate on. Is like, how do we create a society where we can respect people's lifestyles, people's uh, right to own a weapon for protection, uh, which is not an unreasonable, it's not an unreasonable request, um, but also somehow curb the suicide rates that make up the majority of gun deaths because... That is, no matter how you slice it, homicides are actually the minor issue here compared to suicides. Yeah, I think it was uh, 2019, about 60 to 65% of gun deaths were suicides. Mm -hmm. So that's mm -hmm. the main issue here, I'd say, for most people considering mm -hmm. uh, guns. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, okay, personally... Um, I find the only way to curb suicide rates, in my opinion, like the most effective way, the fastest way, would be to limit the amount of guns that we give out, uh, which might sound a little extreme, but like in a situation where owning a gun actively makes you more likely to commit suicide, like that is the correlation we're looking at. When you have a gun, you are more likely to commit suicide because it's easier for you to commit suicide, right? Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. um, there's a reason that it's the... Shoot, I had the there's numbers. A, there's less build-up to it, I'd say. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and there's then, there's 120 guns for every 100 people in America, so that easy access mm -hmm. allows us to have more homicides and suicides yeah. than other comparable countries. Yeah. yeah. 
And I, I want to know, uh, I hope we can find this, but uh, suicides that are actual suicides or then accidental suicides. So uh, in 2016, there were about 23,000 suicides uh, that were classified as, like, classified, figured out as suicides. Um, the unintentional deaths in 2016 uh, were... 495 in total so this is like yeah the ratio of accidental to intentional suicides like we've classified it um it's 23,000 on the dot as intentional suicides by uh firearm so yeah, yeah. that's kind of where we're at yeah that's a amazing you know not amazing but you know it's a terrible like oh wow there is so much intentional in here compared to accidental it's actually a very good thing that there was such a few amount of accidental but then you know we can get that number lower yeah absolutely so that's where the education comes in definitely mm-hmm. and then for the intentional uh what are some you know ideas you guys have for that uh, on how to lower that number or just prevent it entirely so one of the ideas is actually holding gun owners accountable for crimes uh that are done using their products so if you think about a lot of other stores or businesses, they would be held accountable if deaths are caused by their products. Yeah. Uh, so um, another um, another interesting corollary is that when you look at the 1999 to about 2007 numbers, they hover around 16,000 to 17,000 gun deaths per year. Um which is still terrible, but it goes up and down and fluctuates not really past that point. Uh, They're not really increasing or decreasing one way or another. Then in 2008, it jumps to 18,000 for the first time, and it never goes lower, and gun deaths steadily rise uh, up until 2016 when we get to about 23,000. Now, if you think about the time when social media started to become prevalent, this is the scariest corollary for sure. We know that teen suicide rates and... Um, depression have all gone up since social media has become a thing but it's like physically if we look at that corollary it's too strong in my opinion for there not to be palpable effects Um, I don't know how we would regulate that I don't know how we could say um, hey your product is killing people we need to hold you accountable by connecting it directly to gun deaths this is the slippery thing about social media that is really annoying but um it's an important corollary for us to consider for sure yeah i I definitely think that the social media thing is an issue but also going back to the holding companies accountable i think what you said there is some value to it but also miles um i think it's very interesting you know if someone committed a crime with a baseball bat that baseball bat company is not really (laughs) going to be held accountable for that so i think there's a little bit of difference there too with you know how are we going to decide on, you know, oh, this is when you're accountable, this is when you're not, because then it also has to look at the person's history. And so I think, you know, there are, for guns specifically, there's background checks, but if there's also more checks on mental health, mental state, that sort of thing, or, you know, if people actually have issues with a certain person owning a gun um, because of things that may not be on their record um, that can be found or have evidence to. Um, so those things would be, something that could be implemented that may uh, help increase safety for Mm -hmm. people like that Um, and then you know more education on depression suicide those sorts of things Uh, definitely very important well I mean I would counter a little bit Creed in saying that um, when 
the use of guns results in someone being dead, obviously. Like, there needs to be someone who we hold accountable, for sure. Yeah. Um, But, I mean, the biggest problem here is that situation to situation, it's not always going to be the same, right? Yeah. Um, It almost almost will never be the same. Yeah. And so, like, I mean, that... The strongest argument that you can make there, it's like, well, if it's never going to be the same, how do we make legislation or, like, decisions that make us that we can get, um, like, deal with an issue like this in a broad way? It's like, yeah, the easiest way, let's just go back to the original concept. How about we just give less people guns as our thing? Hopefully, they might pick that up. But, um... You picked it up. Oh, sweet. Okay. But also, you know, it's like, if we give less people guns, what if we give the wrong people those guns? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then since there's less guns in circulation, maybe less ability for defense. I, that sort of I just, I gotta say, like, the strongest, we see this strong corollary every time of when there are more guns in, like, a specific area, we have more gun violence. Which, like, I feel like, saying out loud it almost sounds stupid, because it feels like it should be a no-brainer. But, like, 40% of gun owners, um, or roughly 40% of gun owners live in the South, the South has raging gun violence. It's terrible compared to other areas of the United States. Um, And it's like, with that in mind, it's like, it it just, I keep coming back to this argument every time, every time I try and slice it into nuanced pieces, right? Um, Why, like, why is it that the more guns we seem to have in one place, the worse it gets? Why have we not worked on that idea yet? Like, why have we not been like, so maybe we should do something about that. Like, start at the base of the problem. Yeah. So, for the South having 40% of guns, where are those other 60 distributed around the United States? I'm not sure about that. Sorry to say. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I was just wondering, you know, I was, my guess is probably going to be more northern. Probably. Um, that would make well, sense. I mean, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, like ex- extremely northern, uh, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Like, not, not Maine, central. Maine, Alaska, so on and so forth. Yeah, those something areas. like that. Um, Montana. <laughs> yeah, but that whole issue where it's, you know, it's a lot of these uh, gun violence in this one, you know, smaller area mm-hmm. um, where, you know, surprisingly enough, you'd probably expect the South to have at least 50% or more Yeah, yeah actually, it's a little... So it's a little that. surprising, like, oh, wow, only 40%. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they have the most... So then that seems to be more of an issue of um, how guns will, guns are being handled there, how they're d- being distributed. Mm-hmm. Um and I think that I don't feel like I know enough information to speak very well on that. Um, but I like I'd like to hear your guys' thoughts on that. Well, I'd actually like to go back to something I was saying earlier about holding gun companies accountable for the use of their weapons. Is it incentivizes them first of all to make safer products because like uh, deaths can't happen accidentally as easily if you have more safety precautions in place, and it also incentivizes them to give guns to safer people and so they could do like additional background checks or more secure ways to know that they're giving guns to the right people. When we talk about like accountability, we definitely need to figure out like where is that coming from? Because for years, we just kind of have been dodging that question. We love to assume, just as a society, we love to assume in tricky situations that this is like, there's a bad apple right like there's Mm -hmm. a bad apple and like the rest of us aren't like that right usually it's because we're like as a society a bad barrel that then corrupts the apple generally that's how it goes but like i don't want to dive into that now because someone's gonna kill me for it but it's fine (laughs) 
uh, the bad barrel will come for me. But, uh, um, yeah, it's like s- the numbers are kind of glaring sometimes, though. They just, they're a little scary. Um, for example, we have like 100 Americans, roughly, who die of gun violence every day. That's the actual statistic. But, um, like, how do we use accountability, though, to bring numbers down? Like, specifically, I keep coming back to the suicide point, but because I think it's important. Like, how do we, even with safer products, guns still will kill people, right? Yeah. Like, that's what they And do. I think, you know, holding companies accountable, um, I think that's definitely something that could be looked into, but... You know how accountable do we hold them? Do we shut down their business? Uh, do we find them for certain things? Because if I think there's around sixty-two, sixty-seven thousand gun stores in the United States, um, and if there's about forty-seven thousand deaths a year, then that's like you know two-thirds of these places selling guns. Up to two-thirds of these places selling guns could you know be fined or shut down, and so then that decreases the amount of access people have. Um, to actually who would actually use those guns yeah you're not wrong about that i think like you couldn't like prosecute them for example but i think there could be things like financial incentives that would incentivize them to make safer products yes yeah and and then it's obviously like oh if they sold this person this gun they have to make sure that it's traced back um but then it's you know if there are guns that are sold from places that aren't checking then you know they don't really know who to find it to And so that okay, actually, problem. interesting um, point that you brought out there. I'm glad that we finally we brought the word tracing in here. Um, so, <laughs> so uh, we a lot of times people talk about like tracing guns, and there's been a lot of controversy around that. Um, some people claim that it's an invasion of privacy. Um, it's a weird concept, but it depends on the level of tracing in many cases. I think that it's okay if we don't trace guns. But I think that we should trace every single bullet that is bought and used so that we know exactly where someone got their bullets. We know exactly how. And we know, um, like, we can track exactly what bullet was fired from what gun, gun who was owned, that was owned by who. Because yeah. that would also make our life. Because you can't really kill someone with a gun if you don't have a bullet. True. I mean, that would be pretty insane if you were somehow able to but yeah in that case the old guns that we keep talking about is like the founding fathers didn't know what guns would be like now those guns with the bayonets they would become more popular again i'm thinking yeah but that that might not be a good thing (laughs) yeah maybe not maybe not but you know but how feasible would that be a system where you're tracking every single bullet it's less feasible i i mean yeah you're right it's a lot more difficult but mm -hmm. it's something that could actually be done to an extent Mm mm-hmm um, I don't, you know, they're not going to be able to track every single bullet, but tracking a majority of bullets would be able to help um, yeah. know where it is. I think it might be a little bit hard if they have that access where it's like, oh, this person bought this, and so they know exactly what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, a, a level of accountability there would be mm-hmm. good. And I have another question to ask our resident gun expert here, Marcus, <laughs> yeah. is are gun companies allowed to discriminate who gets the gun based on certain factors? Well, I mean, that depends. But in general, no. In general, um, if you're a gun company, you actually don't want to because your goal is to sell as many guns as possible to as many people as possible because that is how you make money. It doesn't necessarily mean that, like, as a gun company, you're a bad person. You're like, ah, I want to get as many guns out there as I can so that, like, no, it's like... 
they want uh, people to buy guns because they're a corporation. That's how they work. It's the same reason that Microsoft wants people to buy Mac. Did I almost say MacBooks? Yeah. Yeah, you almost that said MacBooks. But uh, it's the reason that they want um, people sorry. to buy their products. Yes. Let's go with um, that. But in, so in general, no. In general, uh, gun companies are not allowed to, nor do they have any interest in discriminating who gets their guns. However, if we did make it so that they were accountable, um, like you've been saying, for who got their guns, they might have a little more interest in it. But generally speaking, I would say that in our capitalist economy, it's less feasible that they'll want to uh, yeah. versus... Yeah, there's in less situation. incentive if there's nothing to push them. Yeah. So let's say if someone is known to have mental health issues mm-hmm. and you think they could use the gun like on themselves they wouldn't be allowed to not sell the gun to them? Sorry, can you rephrase the last part? I got so, would so they, they would have it. to sell the gun? Oh, they wouldn't have to sell the gun to the person? You never have to sell anyone yeah. anything, unless you're being forced. But, like, um, <laughs> they, yeah. they probably wouldn't know directly. Like, the person selling the gun mm-hmm. from this corporation um, probably does not know exactly, like, oh, this person's had mental health issues or like the board of the corporation, the people who are at the top of it, they don't really know what's going on with who's selling what. So then it's, you know, if it penalizes that board, Mm -hmm. if they're not the ones who know exactly what's going on, then that could be an issue too. Well, yeah, this is the part where um, the actual, like, who do we penalize gets a little tricky because many gun manufacturers, manufacturers are not actually responsible for the selling of their guns. They just build the guns and then send it off yeah, to someone to sell it, yeah. it who then like a wholesaler or a retailer will sell yeah. it instead and it's so, kind of interesting you yeah. sell it to a seller yeah that's, and, it doesn't seem to make a ton of sense but it also doesn't yeah time. so then these guys um they're the ones who are actually responsible for the background checks so penalizing them might actually help too but it just gets complicated right the farther down you go because it's like okay but who are the wholesalers selling to and so on and so forth and it becomes worse and worse and worse and I need to get louder and louder and louder. But yes, yeah. Um, but yeah, Working ultimately, um, if we invested a lot of time and resources in it, we probably could do it. Uh, but this is assuming that everyone's on the same page about that, right? This yeah. is assuming that the NRA is like, yeah, 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 track all the guns, yeah, yeah, yeah. Make it make it easier for uh, us to figure out who used guns where because you know they've always been so open to that policy but yeah it's ultimately an accountability plan whether it be bullets or guns is a good idea um whether we can pull it off in the way our society is right now that is kind of the bigger question at this point so Anywho. so going back to the mental health issue do you think it would be a good idea for them to add things like depression to the background checks I think it would be. I think it would be a good idea, at least in a preliminary sense, that we can know where this person is mentally. Um, because no matter what, it's like, yes, we do not want to judge people who have mental conditions. But when we are giving them a weapon that can kill another person or can potentially harm themselves, then it is important that they have, that we have some knowledge of where this person is mentally, um, in the case of specifically depression, I guess. Like, if they are... S- mentally better now than they were then and what the uh probability is of them regressing to that mental state um so i think that we should be able to track uh people who have had mental conditions or have mental conditions so that we can take a deeper look into their mental state 
Um, but then again, we come back to this point of, okay, but I want to sell guns fast. I want to sell them to as many people as possible. And so the deeper the background check, the less, the more time I'm having to commit to this person and the less time I'm selling guns to other people, right? So again, it's like, yeah, it'd be a good thing to have whether, once again, whether we like as an economy want to do it is the bigger problem. Anyway, uh, I feel like I've just talked for a while. We probably should segue back here for a second. Um, so there is an interesting statistic here uh, that Creed, I specifically would love you to address. Uh, there, <laughs> sorry, I will give it to you in a second here. But the CDC did a survey that shows people actively feel, gun owners feel safer. 78% of gun owners believe that owning a gun makes them safer. Now, most of the evidence, specifically like the suicide data we talked about, kind of runs contrary to that. But like, what would you, like, what are your thoughts on that situation? Because uh, specifically, I'd love to hear about your knife statistics here because I've been waiting for that all show. <laughs> okay, um, so I do want to address the suicide rate. Um, it is this amount of, you know, what are the amount of gun owners that do commit suicide? Because that's a whole different issue. Mm, yeah, um, because you can't say, you know, people are more likely to commit suicide when they have guns and then immediately say that all gun owners are going to commit suicide mm -hmm. or even the majority or you know so it depends on how much that is and there is the issue of you know being able to defend yourself mm -hmm. like many people want to be able to say if someone comes into my house is armed and is threatening my family i want to be able to to, def to defend myself effectively um, without having to worry you know for the police to arrive maybe a couple minutes late mm -hmm. until so so it's being able to do things effectively that is one of the reasons that safety is a big concern on the topic of uh, knife statistics so that's a little interesting england uh banned handguns in the late 1900s uh and since then they've seen a pretty large raise in knife killings uh since two th the year 2000 uh until 2018 the amount of knife killings went up 40%. Granted, it went from around 200 to 280, so it's a very low number compared to gun killings, um, but it's still, it's still definitely an uh, increase that they've noticed. Uh, and then knife crimes have increased too. Uh, so that's something that is another concern uh, with banning guns, but it's a little bit less concerning compared to some of the other reasons for why it's not great to ban guns completely or certain types of guns other than military guns. Yeah, so that's about all for nice statistics for me right now. Uh, I have some more, but I don't think I'm going to go into those. All right. Uh, Miles, I know you wanted to talk about uh, the popularity of reform across different areas, so you want to jump on that? Just a couple topics here. So about the percent of people that support background checks, it's 89% of all people in America, or of people that took the poll, and 96% of Democrats and 84% of Republicans support background checks on all gun purchases. And so that's like pretty universally mm -hmm. accepted. Everyone seems to agree on, on yeah, that one. Yeah, most people do. And then another one is 55% of Republicans and 86% of Democrats wanted to ban assault weapons, which is a bit surprising to me that it's that high because... Assault weapons do include things like handguns, for the most part, like semi-automatic handguns. So unless it's a revolver, you're pretty much taking away people's self-defense in, in a lot of cases. Or at least mm -hmm. effective, small weapons. Yeah. yeah and, then, and it okay. makes me wonder if people like knew what assault weapons were before taking the poll. Mm. Because when you think of assault weapons, a lot of people probably think of 
like assault rifles. AK-47. And, yeah. That's yeah. Most Flashier people ones, right? probably don't know how actual guns are. Yeah. Um, or like what ones are available to the public compared to what you mm-hmm. hear about in the yeah. media. But then in the public sphere, you don't hear everyone wringing their hands to ban it. Um, handguns. That's yeah, not no. a conversation that's being had right now. Like you hear people yeah. talking about like, oh, ban automatic guns instead of handguns or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which automatic guns have been banned. So Yeah. But it's, um, yeah, and it's it scares me a little bit that people go on and on about like banning automatics. I'm like, yeah, we, we did that. We're, we're not that, like, not even, <laughs> not even the NRA was like, don't do that. Like, they were like, no, 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 get out. But, um, that is military use only. There's yeah. a reason that many types of guns are military use only. Right? Yeah. So, I, think, I think in general, people need to be better informed about they do. topics before speaking on it. And that's kind of why we do this show. In part, I, <laughs> I mean, it's also another reason why we do a ton of research for yeah, this yeah. show. Because we're just like you guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're, we're not expecting you to be teenagers doing radio shows on Mercer Island. But yeah, there's a lot of, you know, everybody should know about these things and uh, everyone should do their own research. So don't just take our word. Uh, take you know, do your own research. Look up st- all the statistics that we're talking about. Yeah. Check them for yourself. Uh, we want to make sure we're right too. So yeah, and I would it. also like to make a plug that I am not like either of you. I am a teenager doing a radio show from Issaquah. Thank you very much. So <laughs> well, you know. I guess I'm Issaquah too now. Yes, but I don't know. It's weird. It's but anyways, weird. Yeah, yeah. So Marcus is not part of the radio, sh- uh, you know, production group or radio station at KMIH. 88.9 The Bridge, but we like to have him on. He brings yes. in a lot of good points. We had him on for, what was the other one? We Electoral talked? College, yeah. Electoral College. I kind of just moderated that one. <laughs> I, didn't have, I didn't have much to add. You guys you guys carried that one. But yeah. yeah. Uh, real quickly. Um, Last couple points. Yeah, so an interesting point is like, yeah, there's overwhelming popularity uh, among Republicans and Democrats like they're for background checks. And uh, banning assault weapons. But uh, among gun owners, we tend to have beliefs that, uh, quote, and I quote, uh, make it more difficult for people to protect their families, uh, stricter gun laws. About 64% of gun owners believe that. Um, And they believe that stricter gun laws would give too much power to the government over the average citizen. Um, I love how it's been almost 300 years and we're still having the federalist, anti-federalist conversation. But... Um, actually, those numbers are lower than I would have thought, honestly. Uh, that means that there's, um, in the 30s, gun control owners don't think that, or gun control owners, uh, gun owners don't think that, um, stricter gun control laws would be impediments to their, uh, their ability to protect themselves and the government power. That being said, um... We do have a long way to go uh, in this area, in my opinion, anyway. I, I, I do want to cut in. I think yeah. labeling it as gun control laws or gun laws specifically is a very interesting way to phrase it because there's so many different types of gun laws. And so they could be thinking of it as we're going to completely get rid of these guns or they could be thinking of it as we're adding new things to the background checks. Mm, true. So it's it's a very broad statement. So it makes it makes me kind of understand, you know, oh, this is why 60% or so believe that this could impede on their safety. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously there is the part of it that people were probably thinking, oh, they're not talking about banning guns. They're just talking about 
background checks or whatever. True. So then it's, you know, obviously there's people who are going to be against background checks. We've already established that. Mm-hmm. But I think there, there is a little bit more to those statistics than may seem apparent at first. True, true. Gun control is a very complicated issue. And, I mean, besides what we've given you today, you should definitely do a little research on your own just to figure out where you stand because we've only given you, like, an inkling of what uh, opinions, sides, research, all that, what's out there. So make sure that if you're interested in forming a more uh, informed opinion, I guess. Yeah, Uh, I mean, also, one thing we didn't cover in this show that would honestly be fun to do another show on is uh, access to guns through illegal ways. Oh, yeah. So do definitely research on that yourself. Uh, Look at how other countries have handled gun control and how the U.S. has handled it. Um, and how that could have affect uh, could have affected those other countries. So those are definitely things you could look into yourself. Uh, I'd love to do another show on that topic, possibly, oh, or we, maybe we'll do a whole like worldwide show <laughs> where we just cover you know how the world runs certain things. So we could do multiple shows on gun control. I mean, this just, this show we yeah. could probably have like ten shows come come out of this one. That's going to wrap it up for this show. It was a really fun one. I'd like to thank you, Marcus, for coming on here, sharing your opinions. Uh, letting us know all these great statistics and other things. So <laughs> thank you for that. for having me. Make sure to keep tuning in uh, to That's Debatable at 7 a.m. on Thursday mornings. And once again, I just wanted to say uh, everything we present on this show is to help increase your knowledge of what's going on in the world. And so what we say does not necessarily reflect our own beliefs or opinions or the beliefs and opinions of KMIH 88.9, The Bridge. Uh, yeah, you can also check us out on Spotify under the name That's Debatable. Uh, we've had at least 10 episodes by now, I think. So keep listening to 88.9 The Bridge for more music and conversation that spans generations.